0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. We got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now we do this show because a wise man once asked a question, if you look at your business in the last three years and turn all those negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is Dan Nicholson, the author of Rigging the Game and a business partner of ours inside the Whale Club. We're also here to help you achieve financial certainty in your real estate business by, again, rigging the game in your favor. If you're new to the show, I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So the information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Notice I say consistent, that massive, right? We also talk about restraint here on Certainty Talks. And you guys are going to hear us talking about some, um, we're going to use some words that might cause some confusion, might sound like a different language. That's okay. We encourage you to just keep the loop open for as long as you can. And today's title is Getting to Know Your Blind Spots. But before we do that, let's jump into our six-word updates. I don't hear Paul.
1: Can't hear me? There we go. There we go. So uh six-word update. We got a big game tonight. So my six-word update is Nuggets and six. Steve's gonna cry.
0: <laughs> well, uh my six-word update is pretty pretty similar. Suns in playoffs, Chris Paul hurt. Because what else? Right? If there's one thing for sure, it's playoffs and Chris Paul injuries. So <clears throat> Yeah, I'm wearing my, my value shirt to, 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 you know, give some love for my team. But um, optimism is, is near an all-time low. So let's talk about something else. Let's change the topic here, <laughs> all right? Um, we're talking about, you know, getting to know your blind spot. So what, is, what are things that happens? You know, uh, I have this tendency to always believe that everything's going to work out fine. We're just going to figure it out. So I'll give an example here. You know, I uh, took my daughter to science camp last week, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was cool. We were seeing that we're going to be home around noon. So I was texting someone else for close Olympics. Like Steve, let's, you know, let's connect. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll be home by noon. We'll have a conversation then, right? I got a text message at 1245. Yo, where are you? <laughs> so what happens? Well, I thought that everything would be fine. You know, we get to the school on time. We could unload the bags quickly, the parents will be on time to pick up their kids to bring their kids home. And when I get home, my wife is going to be so happy to see me and this and that. So none of those things happen, by the way, right? So (laughs) we always assume everything's gonna work out exactly as planned. But turns out, that doesn't always quite happen. Do you have any experience with that, Paul?
1: Yeah, I don't know why. But when you said that, it made me think about my first couple flips, where (laughs) like, this is the budget. Yeah, And just the, like, the budget. is great. Wait, where's the contingency? It's like, oh, everything's gonna go right, though. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't think I needed that on my first couple of deals. So, yeah, man, like, you know, that's that's the problem is that we build our businesses assuming that we're gonna always perform at our best and everything's gonna go right, or, or maybe we know that that's not the case, but we don't actually account for it going forward. I mean, you can look backwards. And you can see all the bonehead mistakes that you've made and you can point and be like, well, I, I did this and this is why this was dumb. But for whatever reason, when we go forward, we, we don't account for those blind spots. We call those biases. Mm-hmm. We don't account for them going forward.
0: Yeah. And it just happens over and over and over again. I remember there's a person that I was coaching up and she was like, Hey, Steve, thanks for everything. You know, I've learned a lot here and I'm going to go off and do this on my own. I said, okay, like, you feel like you've learned enough here to go do something? She's like, oh yeah, all I gotta do is just hire a couple of salespeople, hire a couple of admin people, and then we'll just have a, you know, a great working business. Like, oh, that's it? You just, you just go hire a few people and it just, it all works out perfectly? She was like, yeah. I was like, okay, Godspeed, good luck. I hope everything works out just fine for
1: you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think another, another way to state this is like, we're not robots. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not AI and a computer. Like, we were, I I like to describe, you know, the software and the hardware. So, like, our hardware is our physical body. It's the brain that we were given. It's, you know, how tall we are, whatever. The physical characteristics, what we have to work with. The software is, you know, our, our brain, like, how we make decisions. And, you know, we've talked on this show quite a bit about, the human mindset, which was part of how our brain has developed over time. You know, our software really hasn't gotten that many updates, right? No, it hasn't. In thousands and thousands of years. You know, this we are the same. I actually saw a really interesting um, interview that Ryan Holiday, I don't know if you know him. Familiar mm-hmm. with his work. Daily Stoic guy, big fan of his work. And he was talking about the oldest... They found some footprints in the oldest footprints, apparently in North America. And you see, you know, two sets of footprints, one, you know, an adult and one a child. And there's like they're walking along and then all of a sudden there's a gap in the footprints. And then the the footprints pick up again later. And, you know, he's talking about how we really haven't changed a whole lot. Like, clearly, this kid was like, mommy, daddy, pick me up, carry me. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the kid gets picked up and then they're like, I want down. Right. Um, And then, you know, 20 feet later, you see the footprints pick back up. And mm-hmm. I think his whole point with saying that is like, we really haven't changed that much. Our software has not really changed. And, and frankly, neither really has our hardware in thousands and thousands of years.
0: Oh, that's absolutely right. And then, I mean, going back to it, just questions, you know, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, how many times do things come in? Under budget. How many times do things come in? Do things come in on time? Hell, how many times have you wanted something and it came in exactly as you expected it? No, it's either worse than you expected or you're pleasantly surprised from time to time. And those times where you're pleasantly surprised is because there was a massive amount of intention. Right to create that pleasant experience, but generally speaking, it either takes longer, costs more money, or some other craziness occurs in the process.
1: Right. Well, and it's because most of the time we um, not everything goes exactly as planned. That makes so much sense when you say it out loud.
0: <laughs> doesn't go, doesn't doesn't show up in our planning though.
1: No. Well, I think. I think that the better way to describe that would be it's inconsistent in our planning. Yeah. Sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't do it. That's the problem: is that we're inconsistent, and these inconsistencies turn into blind spots.
0: Sure. So then, you know, you're t- so we're calling it biases. So, what are examples of biases that you you've seen, uh, whether in your in yourself or in your peers?
1: So. Let's talk about we'll, we'll talk about kind of two things if we could. Um, sure. First is I want to talk about the human mindset versus the champion's mind. So absolutely. Um, you know, you know, Doctor Jeff, he's been working with me now for I don't know, coming up on a year at this point. And you know, this this guy, he was an Olympian. He's a, he's in, he's in his mid seventies. He's an older guy. Uh, he he won a, you know he's a cyclist. So he was an Olympian cyclist. Then he got into you know, kind of like mindset coaching for other Olympians. He's worked with Tiger Woods. He's worked with Bono, Richard Branson, like Lance Armstrong, some incredible champions. Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Yeah. I kind of forget about him. Jim Quick. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's absurd how many people he's worked with. Um, But he has this framework he describes called the human mindset versus the champion's mind. And I wish I had my, uh, I don't have it sitting here by me but the human mindset is the the survival brain you know this is the the scarcity mindset it's the what we find when we chase more when we're like um, kind of our basic human instincts that are sort of taking over and he describes it as that is that's what we have what we were given you know this is like how we're naturally wired to think.
0: It's it's the reason why we've made it thousands and
1: thousands of thousands of years as a species. Exactly right. We would not be here today if we didn't have this fight or flight type of part of our brain, let's just say. Yep. But again, that doesn't really, we're not on the African Sahara anymore, you know, trying to dodge cheetahs Mm -hmm. and Woolly mammoths, and we know where our next meal is coming from. Thank God, most of us, right? We're very fortunate to have that. And and now we get to go like, be real estate investors and all these things that I think our ancestors would have been like. That's crazy. I I, I don't have any concept or reference for that. Mm-hmm. And now we have all these phones and all these things, and our life's much 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 better. And we're no longer surviving, but we still have that same software downloaded onto our hardware.
0: Yeah. So all those things that kept us alive, the program not the program, but the wiring is now in an environment where you got Amazon Prime, DoorDash, <laughs> all the sugars you won't ever need to eat, right? Just up the street at a supermarket. All these things are, are prevalent. So we are today living in an abundance economy, in an abundance market. But we're still wired for the sahara
1: yeah and so that stuff no longer serves us Mm -hmm. and if you've if you've read there's a book called thinking fast and slow dr daniel kahneman he describes this as the system one and the system two brain you know i've heard it described as like the old brain like the crocodile brain um and that's again we don't want to make decisions through that brain because it doesn't really serve us very well in business we want to make decisions through the champion's mind Mm -hmm. kahneman would call it the system two brain which is the logical side of our brain or you could also think of you know the the human mindset is like the emotional side um, versus the logical side and everything passes through the human mindset the system one brain everything it gets first dibs as dr jeff likes to say it always gets first dibs which is why we find that oftentimes we have blind spots and inconsistencies. That's why we always say that sales is an emotional, it's always an emotional sale. People mm-hmm. make an emotional decision and then they justify it with logic. That's exactly what we're saying here. That's how we're, our brains were wired for thousands and thousands of years.
0: Right. So yeah. you're saying you, there's two things you want to hit touch on. So the first thing was human mindset versus champion's mind. What was the other thing?
1: Well, the other thing is... Um, so, so that's a framework that Dr. Jeff sort of, um, talks about quite a bit. And if you, if you guys want to reach out to me, I can share more information on that. We've got a, uh, an entire presentation. He did an hour long presentation on that. I've got some little, it's a phenomenal presentation
0: that he presented at our whale club certainty event, September of last year.
1: Yeah. You can actually get that at Will whale, uh whaleclubfreestuff.com. You can just go there and watch that video mm-hmm. on human minds versus first champions mind. But you know, that makes a lot of sense because I start recognizing when my, you know, lizard brain or crocodile brain or whatever is taking over. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes contributes to poor decision making because we don't want to make emotional-based decisions. Um, so so that framework's really helpful. The second kind of Thing that we'll spend the rest of the show talking about is something called, and this is a big word, cognitive biases. Okay. So these are, again, we're not robots, we're not computers. We have biases that every single one of us carries. They're different for each person. And so I thought today we would go through some of these cognitive biases that we like to, you know, study and talk about inside of our community, the Whale Club, Mm -hmm. share some of these with you guys. So you can start accounting for these things in the equation. Because again, if we assume that everything's gonna go right, well, you're not accounting for the fact that you don't always make great decisions. You know, I always give this example. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say, I mean, it, the the likelihood of us making a good decision is pretty low, right? If you look at our track record, you look at our history, right? Like we don't very often sit down and evaluate all our options. Our and I know you're going to get more into this more, but like, you know, we've got not just the wiring that's been, that we were born with genetically, but then we got, you know, you've got 33 years of nurturing programming in you. And I got 43 years, right? Like everything that's happened to you now is adding some more information into you. I mean, just look at it. This is something I talk about in sales all the time. The biggest mistake we all make in sales, not the biggest mistake, but one of the most common mistakes that we got to change is answering questions with answers. Why? Because we've been programmed our whole lives to answer questions with answers. And so there are so many things we got to undo because we were either wired this way or we learned it this way, whether from our parents, good things, bad things in school and so on. There's so many... Uh, things that have been not just again not born with, but have been put into us that we've also got to, to undo. I mean, like I'll just say one of the biggest things for me with rigging the game and certainty talks. The biggest thing we got to undo, and this and the reason why this happens because what gets you here won't get you there, is massive action.
1: Hmm.
0: Everyone's preaching you gotta take massive action. You gotta take massive action. Like, well, but what if you take the wrong massive action? <laughs>
1: Massive consequence is good when you are headed in the right direction, but oftentimes we don't know whether we're headed in the right direction and yeah. we take massive action and then we end up being like, I didn't, this was not the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, <laughs> so it's more important to be headed in the right direction, I think, mm-hmm. than it is to go really fast or it is to like make massive action. So big fan of massive action. Once we have defined what it is that we want, we're playing mm. our game and we're headed in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Once we have the right information, because we've micro-stepped our way there.
1: That's right. That's a bias that, that a lot of us have is a bias towards action, which mm. is a good thing if you can account for it and you have the right frameworks to think through that. Um, and I just want to add something to what you were saying you know, just a second ago. And I'll use the example of diet and exercise because struggle is not the right word, but like over my, you know, last 10 years, ever since I really got out of college, like it's been a kind of a up and down, back and forth. Sometimes I eat really well and I'm exercising and sometimes I'm not. And it kind of goes back and forth like this. Um, And I don't need to be told. That eating right and exercising is good for me. Mm -mm. I know that. But the the difference is like, do your actions, does your behavior reflect that? You know, and one time on one of these shows, we were given the example that if you say that you want to go to the gym five days a week, and you only go four, again, a a lot of us would be like, that's great. But that's only 80% reliable. And there's not a whole lot of other things in our life that we tolerate at that level of unreliability, but for whatever reason, we make excuses for ourselves. And so knowing if we know that, if we can look back and say that we're not, we're not 100% reliable because you can't be, then why do we look into the future and assume that we're going to be reliable and that our decisions are always going to be made well? We're not accounting for those things in the equation. That's the problem. That's mm-hmm. really the problem. So what we're gonna do, let's talk about some of these cognitive biases. And for for those that are listening, this might be an uncomfortable show for you. I know it was very uncomfortable when someone started pointing out to me where, oh, I was like, oh man, I I do that. I also do that. And, And just realize like that's totally normal. Everybody does these things. So hopefully the conversation that Steve and I have will point out some of the blind spots that you might not be accounting for in the equation as you make decisions in your business, in your investments, in your life, things like this. And so you can take this information. We're going to give you guys some resources to really dive in more on this stuff, but do yourself a favor and start accounting for these things going forward. So you don't assume you're always going to perform at your best.
0: Yep. And then if you guys happen to have a copy of rigging the game with you, you can go buy these, go, go through these with us.
1: That's right. So Dan has a ton of them in there. Um, I, I just wrote the ones that I sort of struggle with a lot. Um, and I'll talk about those. Yeah. But let's, let, let's start with you, Steve. Like, you know, you've gone through this whole process. And just like me, what is one of the biases that you deal with and you struggle with the most?
0: The one I struggle with the most. So I was looking through that list. It's a pretty good list. But there's only two. And I can't remember the second one at the moment. But the one that I struggle with the most consistently is all or nothing. Which is directly also tied to, in one way or another, FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. So all or nothing. Uh, if I'm going to do this. This is what success looks like. Success is always a grand slam. We never settle for singles and doubles, right? Success is a grand slam. If we're going to flip this house. We got to make at least 30k, right? Or why? Why do we even do this? Um, we got to go all in. Um, part of my journey was I tried to play poker for a living, right? I love going all in at the tables. Uh, But yeah, uh, I'm always committing all resources. Uh, I generated a lot of whiplash throughout the years. There's only one person that's been with me for more than seven years, right? Um, Because I burned out so many people. And what happened? Man, Paul, let me tell you, I went to this mastermind and there were all these guys on stage and they're doing all this business. And they said, all I have to do is A, B, and C. So guys, guess what? Scrap everything we talked about the last six months. We're just going to do A, B, and C. And what are you talking about? Like, we've been doing this, this, and that. It's like, yeah, I know, but this this is the future. This is the way. And then they start doing that, and then we don't get a ton of traction, right? Because it's only a handful of months. And you go to another webinar or seminar or a live event, and you come back. It's like, okay, guys, I see the future, and this is the new way we're going to do things. Scrap everything else we talked about. This is what we're doing. So this all or nothing thing created a lot of whiplash inside my organization, burnt out a lot of quality people, freaked people out. And guess guess what I got? Inconsistent results. Why? Because I was running an inconsistent business.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you're just, if you don't, it's, Once, once someone points this out to you, you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. But the problem is that we don't see it while we're doing all of these things Mm -hmm. because we're blind to it. It's why it's called a blind spot.
0: Well, but remember, Paul, when I went to that event and all those guys did it and they're having all this massive success, of course, we're going to have the same exact success because we're going to execute it the same exact way they execute it. And we're going to have the same exact outcomes that they had. Right. Yeah. So,
1: I have another example. Tell me what you think about this. I hear a lot of people who are at, let me just give an example. Maybe they have a couple of doors and maybe it's 10 doors. Let's just say, and they want to get to a hundred rentals. That's their goal. And I guess my question is like, what 99 rentals do? Would 90 rentals do? Would 70 rentals do? It's either we we get to a hundred or nothing or for we whatever fail. reason. Or we fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and you also don't you don't know that if going like what if you like you like 10 rentals, 10 rentals is good. And so you say, Well, I'm gonna go to a hundred. And in your pursuit of that, your head is down, and let's say you get to hundred and you're like, I hate this. I do not want to run a hundred rentals. I mean, that's me. I don't want to own that many doors. That's not yeah. my that's not my idea of a good time. Yeah, I get there's a lot of passive income, but that's just I don't want to own that many rentals. but so let's say you get there and you say i don't I don't like this, but you don't know along the way how many rentals was too many. What's yeah, you 20? don't know you don't know if
0: it was number 67 or number 68 but i think the other thing too right with a solvable problem and, and closer versus more and this and that it's that if we're going to live a life based off of more then we have to live a life based off of milestones and goalposts and so if you say a hundred you have to surpass a hundred or it's a failure because we're only chasing more yeah. it's never what the hundred means It's the hundred is like a checkbox. It's a critical number. It's a target. And not only generally speaking in this scenario of I'm going to own a hundred doors, it might be on your vision board. It might be something you've shared with your spouse, your best friends. You've talked about it. You give a presentation at a mastermind, this or that. You've named that puppy seven ways of Sunday or whatever that expression is, right? Like that puppy is freaking named. It's tattooed on your arm. It's, you can't change your mind, right? So 99, that, won't, do. 99 mm-hmm. won't do. So it has to be a hundred because probably you might in some way, whether it's vision board or something else, you've attached it to your identity subconsciously.
1: Yeah. I got another one too. Oh, well, and let's take flips. For example, I used to think that either we were going to make a bunch of money or we we're going to lose money or like it, you know, um, So one of the things that, one of the tools that we use, and if you guys want to see this, it's pretty easy. You can go, if you're an engineer or if you were any sort of technical degree, you've probably heard of something called expected value. So one of the ways that we help people get out of the all or nothing thinking is instead of thinking it as like zero or one, black or white, yes or no, it will work or it won't work. Let's take all the possible outcomes here. So let's say you do a flip and it goes really well and maybe you make a hundred grand. What's the percentage of time that it, it, it goes really well. Maybe it's only like five, 10%, let's say. So you, you know, take a hundred thousand, multiply that by 10%. Yeah. You know, the next option would be maybe you make 75,000 and then maybe you make 50,000, maybe you make 25, zero, negative 25, negative 50,000. hmm these are all the possible outcomes of that flip because it's not all or nothing. So what you can do is you can take out and you can write all the possible outcomes in a little spreadsheet and again it's pretty easy you just google expected value and it'll show you you know how to do this or you can set up time with me I'll show you how to do it. All right. But write out all the outcomes, write out all the probabilities, multiply each of those across and add it all up and that will give you your expected value. Yeah. and little tools like this right that can help us account for just because we have the bias it you know it's not going to just go away the bias is going to be there the blind spot's going to be there. so what we need is a rear view mirror We need some some tool some mechanism that we can use to help us break that cycle that's one of the tools that we help people do is run it through an expected value calculation.
0: Can I share another all or nothing situation that might resonate with the audience? Please do. So, okay, we're doing $5,000 a month in revenue. We're at a solopreneur, right? Hiring admin, spend some money on marketing, hire some salespeople. Now we're doing 10, 12, 15,000 a month in revenue, right? Continue to scale it some more, hire some more salespeople, spend more money on marketing. and We're doing 30,000 a month in marketing, right? All the while we're taking all that revenue and put it back into the business never paying ourselves, yeah, right? Because you gotta hustle, you gotta hustle, you gotta keep growing it and growing it and growing it. And so you keep putting more into the business, you continue to increase overhead or Dr. Jess calls it obligations, right? And then one day we're just gonna take the money and and, and, and celebrate, one day. That's all or nothing. It's like, I don't need anything right now, and then one day I'm gonna celebrate. And we never again account for maybe, I don't know, the Fed goes crazy, right? Or you have another black swan event like a 9-11, or a recession, there's so many things that happen. COVID, right? How many businesses lost everything during COVID, right? This all or nothing thinking is this, I'm gonna take the money here, put it back in the business. Or oh, making more money now. all right, take that money, it back into the business by the way yeah i've been very guilty of
1: that man we all have like yeah that's a that's a that was one that i had on my list as well as one that i i definitely deal with let's 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 add a couple more and i'm gonna lump all of these together because they're all kind of similar mm-hmm. um loss aversion that like your fear of loss if i you know i think of that as if i don't do this deal there may not be another one
0: Uh
1: Um, comparison, the comparison bias. So you see somebody else doing more deals than you. And you have this, like, you want to compare yourself to them. Well, if Steve's doing this many transactions a month, like I need to be doing this many transactions a month. We may not, this isn't a dialogue that we have inside of our brain it's it's embedded deep into our software yeah and i think the the new like millennial or gen z the modern term for all this is just fomo fear mm-hmm. of missing out you know loss aversion comparison i mean my mind a lot of that is just summed up in fomo it can mean a lot of different things yeah that is by far the biggest bias that i deal with
0: yeah i mean I had an opportunity, right? There's a guy I know, I'm friends with, and he's like, hey, Steve, I'm doing this thing where we are working with wholesalers across the country. And, you know, we have a model where with no expenses on our end, we get a healthy chunk of all their revenues, right? So low, downside, good, upside. And we'd love for you to be a part of this. And I was like, man, 10 years ago, I would have sacrificed a limb for this opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. But it was, it took me, I think, probably a month and a half to say no to the opportunity. It was hard because like, am I ever going to get an opportunity like this again, right? Mm -hmm. So that fear of loss, that FOMO, it's, it's tough.
1: Well, stated another way, shiny object syndrome, Mm -hmm. same thing.
0: Oh, yeah, that one. that one square <laughs> right here.
1: I mean, and I think that shiny object syndrome, FOMO, it's it's deep. It again, it that's that's the deepest, in my opinion. We we all want to be accepted and be part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Um the worst thing that could have happened to you thousands and thousands of years ago when we were surviving is to get kicked out of the tribe. So we have this fear of. Um yeah, missing out. That's that's basically what it you know what it comes down to is we have this fear that if I don't do this, I'll get left behind. Mm-hmm. Or that's how I felt when I first got into CG is that I've got to hurry up and catch up to all these other people who are doing more deals than me.
0: Yeah.
1: That bias causes you to make decisions that don't always serve you. And yeah. I think that's evident by a lot of the businesses that a lot of us build that we feel this massive anxiety because we're adding all these things. This guy's doing that strategy. This girl's doing this one. And I've got to, I've got to do all these things. You see someone doing novations and they're doing creative finance deals and they're flipping and they're wholesaling and they're developing. And again, we're trying to do all these things because we don't want to get left behind. Not just not left behind.
0: We well, want to say the cool kids table.
1: That's right. Yeah. Cool kids <laughs> table. And you, you have this fear of getting left out. Yeah. Um, so how does how does one fight that bias or account for
0: it? I would say yeah, account for it. You can account for it, but man, I, I will I will share with you as much as I learn about this, learn about myself. I still recognize that these are still challenges. It's just everyone once in a while, I got to you gotta slap yourself. Why am I doing this? <laughs> why did I do this again? Right. So yeah, I think accounting for it is, you know, like many other uh problems, challenges, is awareness. Yes. All right. First and foremost, you must know about it. Not know about not just know about it, know about it and know yourself. So know yourself, know about the problem, and then you can put things in a way to reduce how much you're hurting yourself uh in those biases.
1: I would just sum all that up into one word, clarity. Yeah. Clarity on solvable problem. Mm-hmm. What are you actually trying to accomplish? What does it mean to get closer, not chase more? Because most things are going to think of it, like <clears throat> if you're right here in the center, you know, wherever you are, there's an like there's an infinite number of directions you could go, like around you. Mm-hmm. But there's only one way that gets you closer to where you're going. Um, and so part of what I what I think of when I think of clarity is, one, knowing what problem you're actually trying to solve, knowing your own preferences. Uh, and that results in knowing your game. What does it mean to play your game? I've talked on this show many times about how My game was always a relationship-based game. And then I found myself into real estate and the FOMO and the comparison and the loss aversion kicked in real hard. Because there's a lot of people I really look up to Mm -hmm. in the real estate space. They're not doing anything wrong. It's all my own bias. I see what they're doing and I say, I've got to do that. And I ended up building a transaction-based business all because I let my biases run the show. I was processing things through the emotional side of my brain, the human mindset, not through the champion's mind, not through the system two brain. Yeah. Um, And all those
0: those cognitive biases, right? That's what led us, me a lot more so, I think, than you, but because you were able to catch it faster, was moving away from the W-2 race into the 1099 rat race, right? Mm -hmm. We had a W-2 rat race. Oh, that's... (laughs) That's dumb. Obviously, there's a better way to do this. <laughs> and if we get to the 10 to 99, where I was like, oh, we're playing the same exact race. <laughs> Only difference is we're driving Lambos instead of uh, Camrys.
1: That's right. Yeah. So I think all of these things come down from, from one, not identifying your own biases. If you don't know it, how can you account for it? If you're not willing to take the time to learn about yourself, to analyze all of your decisions in the past and be honest with yourself because uh, this is a tough realization. It's, it was really hard for me to kind of get to the point where I could even say that out loud, that I struggle with this mm-hmm. um, because it's it almost feels a little embarrassing that you would say I struggle with shiny object syndrome or I struggle with comparing myself to other people. But the first step is recognizing it and having clarity around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like uh, we talked about in the part in the disruption yesterday. The question from the audience was, what is your greatest limitation as a leader? And what do you do to deal with it? And my answer was, well, my biggest limitation is (laughs) I want to go really fast. I want to go all in on things all the time. And what my solution to it is I go back to my leadership team. I've got a council. It's like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And they'll look at it and say, okay, well, what do we do this? What do we do that? Here's some micro steps and so on. Right? And now I can't do the all or nothing because I'm not allowed <laughs> to do the all or nothing. Uh, we're, we're, we're launching something May 17th. I've shared that with you privately. Yesterday, we had a good hour conversation where our team micro stepped. Right? Like, wow. here are all the things we need to do between now and May 17th to ensure we have a successful launch. Mm -hmm. I'm the, let's figure it out guy, right? Uh, Let's the, you know, the all or nothing guy. But I got a great team who is much more detail oriented and can help us microstep effectively, right? Uh, Make sure we have uh, all the right information to strategize and then execute. Can't do that without compiling and analyzing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and it also makes me think of, One of the, if you guys have read rigging the game, Dan talks about, uh, he calls them the frames. And I think of these as different glasses, like different lenses that you should put on as you're making decisions. And one of them is called the parenting frame. The parenting frame says, how do I prevent bad things from happening? Meaning like, how do I prevent myself from becoming subjected to the shiny object syndrome? What can I do to prevent it? So we talk about two things you have preventive controls and then we have detective controls. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is we want to prioritize preventing. So, you know, you've got daughters. I'm assuming you don't want them watching rated R things on Netflix or whatever.
0: They can watch violent stuff, but that's it.
1: Okay. Violence <laughs> is fine. There's certain. <laughs> um, so, you know, what a preventive control might be a password lock. Like they can't literally can't even get in if it has a certain rating, right? Without a password, that's going to prevent them from doing that. Yep. A detective control might be you get an email after they've watched the video, letting you know that they did that. Yeah. Of course, preventive's better than detective.
0: So it's funny we use Bark, and Bark does both. Okay. Bark prevents most things from happening but it also notifies me when other things are happening that they can't prevent. So it's a pretty there cool app, right? So it prevents and detects, right? It'll say bullying occurred here or uh, inappropriate websites here and there, that they block, they prevent it, right? Uh, man, I don't know what it is with anime, but there's a whole ton of OnlyFans ads and whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so bar blocks it, it does the prevention thing, but then it does the detective thing notifies me that my kids are being subjected to or they're getting urls that contain only fans right it's blocked but it's notifying me so then i get to have that conversation hey what's this about
1: <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get bark for uh, for real estate um yeah how do we put in ourselves like for me one of the things that i do with this is i go to a lot of masterminds because again my what I get out of masterminds is the relationships and when I show up though and I start hearing all this information, (laughs) I used to just like, oh my gosh, look at all these amazing things that I could be doing, you know, um, get distracted. And so one of the preventive controls that I have is I'm only allowed to implement one thing anytime I go anywhere. Um, It's kind of like you got to set these rules in advance. You got to define it before and you got to account for it in the equation. Like we know we're going to experience FOMO showing up to this stuff. We just know it. Like let's stop pretending like we're not going to do that because we are. Well, I mean, that's what you you are.
0: This is like, if I were to take my kids to the toy store, we're going to have a very clear conversation about budget before we walk into the toy store. Right. Right. Or we're going to say, Hey, we go to a candy store, you're only allowed to buy one piece of candy. So you better find the one that, you know, you enjoy the most. But if you don't have that conversation before the toy store or the candy store, oh, man, you are just <laughs> allowing yourself to enter a world of hurt. Um, before we con- continue, you know, I just want to say real quick, happy birthday to Paul, right? Thank you. All of 33 years old, looking pretty good. And so for his birthday, he's feeling just a little generous. So, you know, if you guys need help at all, identifying, understanding what some of your biases may be, what your blind spots are, which we're talking about on this show, go to realestatecertainty.com, And there's a link there to, you know, have a conversation with Paul. Um, So it's not going to be there for much, much longer. But it's his birthday I would highly recommend you take advantage of it as soon as you can, because we don't know how long that's going to be there because it's not sustainable to keep that URL there.
1: Yeah, definitely not sustainable, but I'm enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of um, practice, to be honest, kind of like listening, learning, being able to identify these things. It becomes a forcing function for my own life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, not going to do this forever, but as Steve said, um, and thank you for the for the birthday wishes. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, so yeah. Y- y- y'all can just go to uh, realestatecertainty.com. There's a little button that says "Certainty Strategy Session." We'll talk more about this stuff. Um, okay, so we've hammered all or nothing. We've hammered FOMO, loss aversion, comparison bias. Let's talk about the recency bias. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, what the what the recency bias says is you are biased towards the things that you've heard more recently.
0: Well, I'll share with you before you get into this on a serious note, recency bias is believing the Nuggets are going to win because they won the last two games. Anyway, continue.
1: Okay, okay. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Uh, that little third ball there, Steve. But um, If you guys
0: are unaware, Paul lives in Denver, and I live in Phoenix. <laughs> so there's been a little bit of trash talking uh, going back and forth. Anyway, continue.
1: I've been fairly quiet because I'm like, this is all fair. Jokic has not done very well in the playoffs. And like, yeah. And Dan called me out on that about the recency (laughs) bias to touche. But yeah, recency bias is like allowing yourself to become you put, let's just say, put more weight on things that you've heard more recently. Um, And I guess this all sort of ties in with different things, but you know, where have you maybe you observed the recency bias affecting your decision making?
0: Um, I mean, just think about it. Going back to what I was saying, all or nothing earlier, right? We've been using cold calling all this time. And then I go to an event or I talk to somebody, like, oh my God, Steve, PPC is the way to go. Like, you're still cold calling, right? It's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess PPC is the way to go. And then we, Re-divert resources. Um, there's a great uh, book uh, by Robert uh, Caldini. Uh, I believe it was under the Influence book. You know, but one of the things he talks about in there is one of the ways that um, our media manipulates the population is in talking about things that they want to put attention on. So it's fascinating. The media cannot actually manipulate your opinion. They don't have the power to do that, right? Generally speaking, if Paul's got an opinion, he's got an opinion, Steve has an opinion, Steve has an opinion. We generally don't change our opinions when other people try to persuade us, right? But what we can do is talk about it a lot and we talk about it a lot, oh, now it's really important to you. So you're, the, the importance of it changes based off the recency, right? So if I'm talking to Paul over and over again about marketing, Paul's going to be going to bed tonight thinking about like, oh, maybe we need to modify our marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the recency bias. Not, I can't convince him one marketing channel is different than another, but if I keep talking to him about marketing, man, he's going to think, oh, marketing is really, really important. I need to spend more time on marketing.
1: Mm-hmm. How about I strike a chord with this one? What about AI?
0: Oh yeah. It's the, it's, it's the future. Right. Yeah.
1: And every, again, I, Don't let this come across. Like, I don't think that that's a valid technology and it's, it's very useful, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are struggling with the recency bias right now around AI Mm -hmm. because it's just being talked about a lot, a lot. Yeah. And so I know that I struggle with recency bias. So anytime I hear something new about some new technology, this new thing, well, first of all, I know that I'm subject to fear of missing out. And I'm also subject to the recency bias, which means like this new thing is likely going to have a larger space in my head mm-hmm. than the old thing. Right. And yeah, AI is definitely that right now.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's the. If you're not talking about it, you're, you're, you're being left behind. So, who was it? We're talking about uh, the 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 Jeff Bezos quote, right? We're saying like you know, people are always asking him like what's changing? He's like the, that's not the important question. Important question is what's not going to change in the next 10 or 15 years. Focus on that and now you are future proof.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I got another example. Um, so you're building your business and you have Let's say you're a six-figure business owner. You know, you're you're doing all right. And then you have a month and you make six figures in a month. And your brain says to yourself, At this rate, I'm a seven figure business owner.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: yeah. And so what do we do? We take the most recent data point. We call this the high month paradigm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We raise everything up. Because now we've assumed this identity of I'm a seven-figure business owner. Mm -hmm. And now we adjust everything as if we are a seven-figure business owner when really we just had one good month. Right. We don't really have the data to support that. But our recency bias and we want so badly to be that identity that the first second we get it, all bets are in, and now we are that person. And then we overbuild. We overspend and we spend the next years, multiple years, likely recovering from that one decision we made wrong because mm-hmm. we saw the high watermark and we wanted to adjust so badly because recency, again, we all deal with it.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that is the that is the data point that matters the most because it's the most recent. And we'll make all decisions based off of that one, right? You see this potentially with your friends in sports betting, right? You see this with... Um, I mean, I think probably salespeople and business owners are, are the most susceptible to it, but you see in other places as well. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, the joke is, right, a sales guy does, uh, um, does, has a huge weekend, right? Goes out on Saturday, goes out on Sunday, locks up two contracts. It's like, man, I can do this all day. I can do two contracts on Saturdays, two contracts every Sundays, no problem. I'm a 16 contract a person month, uh, 16 person, yeah, uh, 16 contracts a month person. And then instantly, Oh, I'm a millionaire. Forget the fact that he's got all his credit card debt and like none of, there's no guarantee. All those 16 contracts are going to close and that he may have neglected his pipeline along the way. It's just instantly everything is all based off of those two contracts. He signed on Saturday and two contracts based on
1: Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, loss aversion nothing fomo these things all rhyme in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. right they sort of manifest a little differently but they're they're very similar let's talk about um the last one again we have there's like dozens of these i I think
0: the last one for this episode
1: the last one for this episode and uh i'll give you guys some resources where you can follow up and learn more about these there's some amazing YouTube channels that kind of go through these different things. And we've got some resources ourselves, but the last one I want to talk about is the GI Joe bias. And I just like it. Cause it's got a really cool name.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Did you even watch GI Joe as a kid?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. All right. I wasn't sure if you were old enough. Barely. I'm a, i am uh I really like this one because what it says is just so we, we have all these biases. We just talked about a bunch of them. G.I. Joe bias says, just because you know you are biased towards FOMO or towards recency or whatever, just because you know it and you recognize it, you are still subject to that bias. So being aware of it doesn't mean that you now all of a sudden are no longer subject to it. Because, again, it's embedded way deep into the software. So... That in my mind is what sums it all up like mm-hmm. you you recognize all these biases and you know this about yourself now, but guess what you are still subject to them
0: right yeah, so it's so critical right like knowing that you're susceptible to them, you've got to create a framework that prevents those biases from hurting you so you know, we didn't really talk about it here, but, you know, we talked about a little bit of knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, I may come across as maybe a little jaded, right? I'm a little older, been doing this a little bit longer. Uh, but when I meet people, I, as much as I'm an antisocial person, I always see the best in people. I always know, like, if they had some time, if they had some training, if they had some resources, or some coaching... Anything that's possible with this person, right? Yeah. And so there have been so many people I've interviewed, like, oh, that's the guy, that's the guy that's going to be able to figure this out. This is the guy that's going to help me take my step, uh, take my business forward. This is the guy. And let me tell you, Paul, most of them were not the guy. <laughs> most of them were not the guy. And so for me, being so optimistic, I had to create a framework, and that framework is I am no longer allowed to do to do to do the first interview. I'm no longer allowed to do it preventive control right there right because i'm i'm a was it a sieve right like it's just if they talk to me i'm i'm just gonna pass it on it's like paul let me tell you how awesome this guy is right he's got this <laughs> rough tro- uh, childhood or he excelled in school or like there's just one data point and this person is like paul this guy is gonna be great for this one data point mm-hmm. so yeah so that's the gi joe bias and you gotta being aware of the bias that the biases you have you got to put preventive frameworks around you to ensure that you're not screwing it up
1: because you're still subject to them. Yeah. Um because again, it we we can't really update our software. Um we have to we just have to like set rules in place so that we don't make these mistakes. Uh so yeah, if you heard a couple things on this show today and you're like, "Ooh, I I deal with shiny object syndrome. I deal with the recency bias." you maybe go watch some of these videos that I'll tell you about here in a second and you start recognizing. Well, I I got news for you. Recognizing is not even half the problem. Like I I would say it's like, that's the very first part, you know? You first got to recognize it. But the real question is, is, again, we can look back and we can say, I know I should eat well and exercise. But do we always do that into the future? No, because knowing is not... Knowing is half the battle. It's all about, as Dan would say, behavior modification, right? Mm -hmm. If your behavior doesn't change, then what's the point? You know, it's like, it's like I read a ton, but what's the point of reading all of these things if you're not actually implementing it? That's the same thing here is just because you know you're subject to these biases. Yeah, I deal with shiny object syndrome. Well, guess what? If you don't set things in place to prevent yourself from making those mistakes in the future, you're going to continue making those mistakes.
0: Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I ran a good business because I'm smarter. I would say I run a business that I enjoy because I've learned all the things that I do wrong and just put a bunch of things around me. It's like I'm like a human playpen, right? It's just like put all these things around me to make sure Steve doesn't screw, screw things up further.
1: Well, and you've got got a good team around you that, you know, now you've delegated that, but it's taken you a decade, right, to get to this point. More than that, yeah. Um, And that's, I think, um, obviously, we would like it to take less time.
0: We would like it to take less time. But, I mean, that's the reason why we do the show, though, right? We go back to, you know, like, if you take a look at the last three years. I mean, we say, you know, turn him to zero. Let's just say let's not turn him to zero, right? Let's just turn him to more profitable months, Right if you look back at the last three years and turn all those months where like you had a nothing burger and it was 5,000 instead of a nothing burger, how different would everything be? What would your resources be like? Right. And then like my other favorite book is the road less stupid. Right. If you can go back in life, if you go back in life and just undo the three worst decisions you ever made. What'd your life look like? Well, we're just talking. Now we're giving you a framework or We're giving you the tools to be aware of those things that you might do yourself. And we're encouraging you to spend some time thinking critically about how to set up a framework to prevent you from sabotaging yourself.
1: And that's what the certainty operating system is. Yeah. This is the framework. These are the tools and because we can't really change, you know, our, our brain, Mm -mm. but but we can use the operating system to upgrade our software. Right. That is how we upgrade our software is you have a mechanism to filter these things through. So if you, you know, you want to continue kind of being subject to your biases, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. If you're ready to like, to get tools, To help you make better decisions and account for these biases, go pick up the copy of the book, Rigging the Game. It Mm -hmm. outlines the certainty operating system. And that's how we use it. We use it to make better decisions in our business so we can make more consistent, reliable decisions and not react to things from our emotional side of our brain. You know, the system one brain, the human mindset, it doesn't really serve us very well. We have to filter so we can ensure we're making consistently good decisions. And that's what the certainty operating system does for us. Um, so again, if you haven't picked up that book, rigging the game, go pick it up, go check it out. There's amazing content in there. In fact, you can then go to whaleclubfreestuff.com and you can get the little cheat sheet that, that we use as a guide to think through the filters, the frames, the growth principles, and the issue processors. Yeah, that may sound like a mouthful of information if you haven't read the book, but go read the book and you'll see.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's an incredible. Um, I mean, I, I to say chichi, but it, it's it's just for one place where you just look real quick, make sure you're not doing anything mm-hmm. that's causing you to to, uh, to to harm yourself, and again, you know, causing you to take a setback, because that's what happens. Every time you, you, you do something and you allocate resources, you move forwards, you move forward, you you do this, you do that. You're taking unsure steps and you're increasing opportunity cost on what good things you already have going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, last thing, and then I think we can wrap it up is uh, if you guys want to learn more about cognitive biases, you can go to YouTube. And, um, and type in, her name's Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, Santos. She was at some Ivy League. I want to say it was Yale, something like that. But she has this you know, giant list and videos of all of these different cognitive biases, the sunk cost fallacy. Um, I mean, there's a ton of them. I have too many to list out, but you can just go there and you can start learning about some of these things. Of course, you can pick up rigging the game. Dan goes through a bunch of them in there as well. But the first step is just learn a little bit about yourself. We've, we've, I don't know why, but the last couple of shows we've been referencing Sun Tzu, know yourself, know your enemy. In this case, your enemy is your biases Mm -hmm. and you can fight a thousand battles without peril. So if you take the time to understand these things about yourself and you take the time to understand about the GI Joe bias, which says that we, we can understand it, but we have to have systems to be able to account for it because we're going to be subject to them still. That's what the certainty stuff does. And if you guys want to, again, I'm doing this for a little bit longer. I I just, it's filling my whole week up, which is great, but I'm not going to do this forever. If you want to go book time, I'll walk you through some of these different things. We can talk about, you know, any topic related to certainty, cognitive biases, how to get clear on your solvable problem, how to implement certainty in your life You can go to uh, realestatecertainty.com and book a little certainty strategy session with me, with me there.
0: Perfect. All right. So we'll wrap up here. Thank you guys. I see a bunch of you guys watching here on on YouTube. Thank you all. And then we'll see you guys all next week. Bye, everyone.